0: Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer, so let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold.
1: There's a story, uh, 1977, uh, Steve Allen and David Brenner on, and you're waiting for John Belushi to show up.
0: Oh, well. Yes. Uh, and, 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 Michael, and Michael O'Donohue. Ah, yeah. So, what happened was, we were doing a show on comedy, and mm-hmm. we had the guests who were booked were the guests you just mentioned David Brenner, uh, Steve Allen, Michael O'Donohue. Uh, John Bellucci was not booked on that show. Right. We had never tried to book John Bellucci. He was at the, at the zenith of his stardom on Saturday right. Night Live, it was 1977, right? The night before the show, I do this in my off-Broadway show, Confessions of the Talk Shows. I explain some of the ways you get great guests are not necessarily through the te- through booking them. Right. I was at Studio 54. It was about 1230, 1 o'clock in the morning, dancing with, I don't know, Lucy Arnaz, dancing around with somebody. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm dancing with Bellucci. He's dancing. For, and I, John Bellucci, Bill Bugs. and I am dancing. And he says, come on, tell me who's on the show tomorrow. See if you can remember. So I said, okay, we got uh, Michael Donahue. And he goes, oh, great, yeah. And we got David Brenner. "Eh, eh," David Brenner. We got Steve Allen. He stops dancing. You got Steve Allen? Yeah. I love Steve Allen. He's my hero. He's my comedy hero. I'll be watching. Quick thinking. Wait, you don't have to watch. Why don't you come and be on the show? So he takes out, great idea, great idea. He takes out this little stubby pencil. Here's my number. Here's my number. Call me tomorrow. What time you on? 11.30. He says, call me at 9.30 and keep calling no matter what. And I take the number. So I walk into the office the next day. Bellucci's is going to be on the show today. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I met him. Oh, another night at Studio 54. Well, no, he's going to be on. So 9.30, I call. Ring, 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 ring. Nothing. I <sighs> 9.45. Ring, 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 ring. Nothing. Oh, shit, man. Now, nah, come on, Bill. He's not going to okay. be like 10, 10.30. I, I, I'm almost... Quarter to 11. I'm ringing. I'm around. Fuck, I'm going to let this thing ring, 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 ring. Hello. John, it's Bill Box. Oh, fuck it. What? John, it's Bill. Fuck it. John, Steve <laughs> Allen. Oh, all right. I'll be there. <laughs> so about 20 minutes into the show, Bellucci comes crawling across the floor like a lizard. Crawling crawling, crawls up onto the set and slivers into a chair. And uh, there's a little bit of tape on this on the Billbox TV. He ended up pushing over a table, water flying in all directions. It was like <laughs> hell's a popping. It was <laughs> great. I, I'm going to tell you something. I, I rarely have told this. And after, after it was over, he says to me, what did you think of that? I said, that was great. He said, you're going to remember this a long time. And here we are telling that. Oh, shit. that's unbelievable. Yeah, he said, you're going to remember this a long time. Ugh. Who was your guest when oh, you fell asleep well, on your own show? I, uh, I fell off my stool. Um, I had been at Studio 54 almost like until 3, 3.30 in the morning, one night. I didn't do that every night, but, and it really would take a toll. You know, you had to then go right. rest. Even though you're young, it still takes a toll. So I guess I probably was out. Oh, geez, I mean, until at least daylight, right? I get home, I get about forty minutes sleep duty, and I have to get up and drag my ass into the studio. We're doing a ninety-minute show, modern medical advances. Shit, ninety minutes live segments like you and your spleen, understanding eczema, <laughs> new pronouncements <laughs> on podiatry, right? And I'm using all my strength, all I want. And I have a hangover. Right. There's a, a nine on the Keith Richards hangover scale. I am like, my head is like splitting. Midway through the show, this dentist comes on. And I'm, and, and Judy, I'm not going to do the whole bit. It's part of my bit that I do in confessions of a talk show. But it was the way the guy was talking. I'll start it like this. I'm sitting there. Said, Thank you for having me on your show, Bill. It's so wonderful to be with you and tell all of your wonderful, lovely viewers about frontiers of dentistry. And as this guy is talking, literally, I feel this warm, soupy feeling go over. No me. way! Oh no. And that's part of the story. I fell off my stool. The last words I remember were: "It says that." Uh, last words I remember were dental implants.
1: Oh, that's fucking oh. hilarious! Um,
0: that happened? I'm,
1: I'm picking all these people. I uh, David Bowie. Oh, well,
0: yeah, David Bowie is a good story. Midday Live with Bill Boggs. Uh, one of the producers was like sort of afraid of rock stars. Right. I, I love I love music and I love rock music so. We had the David Bowie story. Um, let me, I got to bring in, the, oh yeah, okay. The David Bowie story also features uh, Ruth Gordon and her husband, Garth Encana, and, and right. an actress and a writer. So we can't have Bowie on the show. He's going to go nuts. He's going to break up the set. I said, no, man, he's just on to promote an album. Oh no, it was Elephant Man. He was on the Elvis.
1: Oh, right, right, right. That's right. He's probably
0: fine. No, I'm afraid of it. No. I said, calm down. Calm down. So David Bowie comes on. And this guy is wearing a gray pinstripe suit, silk gray tie. He looks fabulous. He's every bit the gentleman. He's debonair. He's smoking a cigarette talking. And he's wonderful. The next segment of the show, we have these octogenarians, Ruth Gordon and Garson Canaan, her husband, right, right? right? Now you would figure they're safe guests.
1: Right, they, right.
0: they have just come from the Cirque restaurant, this is an <laughs> afternoon, celebrating her 80th birthday and they right. are completely blotto drunk. They're like wrinkled bobblehead dolls. Oh, right. that's
1: hilarious. I know.
0: I know, it's true.
1: That's, that's fucking, um, so you had the cops who were looking for the son of Sam?
0: Yeah, the son of Sam, was a serial killer in New York and I don't know when, like 77? 77,
1: yeah. So he, and he, I have a whole bit in my act about, because his name was David Berkowitz, but he wasn't Jewish. So, um, sure. and my mother would fucking, my mother, when they found him, when they found him and his name was David, my mother was fucking freaking out. Like, oh my God, this is the worst thing for the Jews. They hate us. They're going to hate us more. And then two <laughs> nights later, we're eating dinner. And she's in a really good mood. I said, what's up with your mood, mood swing? She's like, uh, David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, adopted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, oh, you know. I uh, You know, oh, it's difficult to actually recall, you know, how scared the city was. Oh, it was awful, yeah. Um, and. I don't remember much about the interview, but we had the cops who who, who captured him, and they, I guess it was like sort of like a forensic interview, discussing you know the leads, the clues, the notes that he left, and things like that. He's wow. still alive, right? He's still in
1: prison. Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah. Um, you interviewed uh, Steve Rubell,
0: who owned Steve Rubell. Uh, together with 54. his partner uh, ian schrager yeah. Yeah. i never had ian on the show but steve Rubell was on before studio 54 opened, while it was on the air after it closed uh just before did, they went to jail he was on four yeah. or five times
1: did you watch and, the um uh, uh, documentary uh,
0: uh, hmm? did you watch
1: no, the f- studio 54? I,
0: I haven't seen it yet
1: you've got to see it itself it's, so, it's okay. fascinating I thought you, first of all, the other thing you did was, you know, socially you were so ahead ahead of your time as far as you had what they called transsexuals
0: on. Oh, um, many, many actually. Many. The day the day I interviewed Sinatra after the interview, this is something I hadn't thought of in thirty years. Frank leaves. I walked him out to his car. And a half hour later, I did two segments with transsexuals that we that we were recording for a show. Yeah, we uh, we we. I I had a show in North Carolina. I told you Southern Exposure. The while I did that for one year, I did a show called The Late Bill Boggs, which came on after Monday Night Football, which is late. Right. And On that show, I did really advanced stuff. We had transsexual. I had a couple shows on transsexuals. I interviewed. Christine Jorgensen, who was the first, yes,
1: first known,
0: yeah. uh, transsexual to have the operation, who had been in, uh, went, had to go to Sweden right. for the op- operation. My mother worked at the naval depot with, um, uh, uh, he, his name was Richard, and he was, while not, he didn't have the operation. What do you call him when you have the operation? He hadn't made the transition. Right, right. He, he was very much like a woman. Right. And he worked for the Navy, so I grew up knowing about my mother's coworker Richard and stuff. And none of it ever. And no uh, judgment, no judgment. No, no judgment, no judgment. My my parents were really not. My parents would be judgmental of bad behavior, but right. not ethnicities or sexual uh, proclivities or or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, we did a lot of shows. On, we did a lot of shows. You know, one of the shows we did in North Carolina that we got in a little trouble for. I thought, you know. So much, This is say, 73, so much conversation about marijuana. Everybody's smoking pot. You know, it's like illegal. You can't do this. You can't do that. So I said, tonight, we're going to investigate the effects of marijuana. We all know about marijuana, blah, 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 blah. And we have with us Joe Smith. Joe, I understand you like to smoke pot. And Joe, yeah, blah, 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 blah. So I said, what? Have you had any pot yet today? No. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to go outside and smoke this joint, and then you're going to come back 15 minutes later and tell us how you feel. Right. You know? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm, I am still waiting to see somebody do that on television.
1: That's I great.
0: Tombo Mar light up, but I'm right. still waiting for somebody to do that. That's hilarious. I, as much as I really, we have good rapport. Because you bring out the part of me that is essentially the rebel. Everybody looks at me, I'm straight guy doing this and that.
1: Oh no, no. I totally don't see you that way at all. The prior interview is, is great. I mean, he talks about uh about racism. You talk about censorship with him because they were trying to censor him. Yeah. And he turn takes that conversation and, and talks about racism and it's so it's so unbelievable.
0: The same thing in the Little Richard interview. There's a there was an interview on Bill Boggs TV on YouTube with Little Richard. It's 33 minutes long, and we, he really gets into the discrimination against him. Little Richard was. Uh, un, i tell you, he performed the night before. I went to see the show, and he's like his hands are like blazing on the piano. Right. 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 He's unbelievable. He walks in. By saw the show last night. He said, "Man," I said you are really, really fast on that piano. And he looks at me and says, yeah, not as fast as I used to be, but I was too fast to begin with. <laughs> did you ever, when you went to Vegas,
1: did you ever see Frances Faye?
0: Never, no.
1: Oh, cause she did the late, late, late show and all those guys would come and be in the audience and she would mock them. And she's got no, of course, no one gave a shit cause she's uh, a woman. off. That's code JudyGold50 at Factormeals.com slash JudyGold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. This is my last question about midday. Sure, sure. Judith Campbell Exner, who- Oh, Oh, that's uh, a good one. That is the best story and you're such a loyal guy.
0: Okay, go ahead. Well, let me begin by explaining, I think it was 77. A woman named Judith Campbell Exeter wrote a book about her uh, affair, her her simultaneous affair with the Chicago mobster Sam Giacana, who at that point was dead, and JFK, President JFK, who at that point was also dead, and and Sinatra, who was very much alive and had just done the show, and how Sinatra had introduced her to uh, JFK. I mean, JFK is, I mean, it's actually went to her hotel. Imagine, left the White House right. as president, went to a hotel for a little boom, boom, boom. Right. Anyway, so she wrote this. I get this book. I didn't book it. A producer booked it. And I take the thing home and I read, I think, holy shit. Now, this doesn't make Frank look good. But yeah. how do I know that this is true? Right. Look, I'm going to say this. The years have proven this to be true. However, both guys are dead. And this could be like a National inquiry right. story. And, but furthermore, I just had Frank on the show. Screw it. Why should I interview this woman? I'm not going to do it. So, I go in the next day and I say, Look, I'm not interviewing Judith Campbell She was only going to be on for like 10 minutes. We right. had a whole show. No, you got to do it nice. I simply am not going to do it. Cancel her. So, they got all pissed off at me and they had Mark Munsky, the news director, um, interview her for that segment. Then I came back on the show. It turns out that Kay Gardella, the television reporter for the New York Daily News, happened to be watching midday that day and saw this. And wrote it up in her column the next day. Bill Boggs refused to interview Judith Campbell-Exner. Wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you know? The three days later at the midday office, I get a letter from Frank Sinatra and I have it framed with a picture. He said, I think you showed great class in not interviewing the hooker with a PR agent. It should be more catching. Thank you, signed Francis Albert, which he only did. Wow. So look. The truth of the matter is what, what Judith Campbell-Exner wrote was true. Right. I, I have no regrets about doing it. Right. And I think that the host of a show should not be forced to do something he doesn't want to do. Right. I did plenty of stuff I wasn't that interested in, but to, to be forced to do something and sit there you don't want to do.
1: Right. No. Um, all right. So I, I know that you interviewed Donald Trump. Um, and you also, he's part of one of your books. Uh, as, uh, uh, I
0: interviewed Trump for Got What It Takes. Right. Because, but he's the only one of the 44 people who answered the questions uh, by mail. So I never sat down and talked to him about right. that. But I've known him just standing around at parties, you know, since 1975.
1: Did you ever meet Jeffrey Epstein?
0: No, my very good friend, Dr. Bob Levine, used to work out next to him at one of the one of the clubs in New York. And, right. and I have no recollection of meeting Epstein. OK, what a creep.
1: What a fucking piece of shit. Thank God that. Yeah,
0: That's, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man,
1: he wasn't adopted. All right. Anyway. <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, so I'm reading about you and, and I'm reading, you know, you produced Morton Downey Jr. show. And yes. as I'm reading about Morton Downey Jr., I'm like, he is Trump. He's Trump. They're the same person.
0: Yeah. Um, I, was and then only- I
1: see you saying yeah. he's Trump. And I was like, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's I'll a performance you- artist. He's, it's all show. It's all for the show. And that's it. There's nothing to back.
0: I mean, he was smart. Morton Downey Jr. is definitely smarter than fucking Donald Trump. But, but Morton Downey Jr. is very intelligent. But I'll, I'll give you my comparison. When Trump was uh, running in 2016, and and Downey, for a while, lived at, at Trump Tower. And I and, and Trump really liked Downey because he liked being around hot people. Right. Mort Downey Jr. and Mort Downey Jr. had the fastest rise and fall in the history of television. Right. But the similarity is that there are some similarities and some differences. But performance artists, Mort was a person, uh, when I was interviewed, when he died, I said, there's a line in a Chris Christopherson song. Uh, partly truth and partly fiction, taking every wrong direction on that lonely road back home. Morton Downey Jr. would make up stories and completely believe them and and pass lie detector tests. And you would sit, I'd sit there, he's taking a lie detector test, I know he's lying and he passes a test. The more, I think O.J. Simpson did that. I think O.J. Simpson convinced himself that he didn't, you know, have the, have the murder. So I think that, that that Donald Trump will say almost anything and then and then believe it. But there's an aspect. He Trump is a, a, an exponent of the power of positive thinking. Right. And that I read an Atlantic magazine article about that, and that can account for his saying in his head, right. "There's no right. problem with the virus." Everything right. Sort of, because if you think, if you right. say. It, you think it's going it to happen. manifest itself. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. He is right. a it's a fucking, he, I fucking hate him. I hate him. I fucking.
0: Dude, but I mean, yeah, it, it, it's hard. to. It's hard to say. I I, I will say this. Uh, unless the only thing you care about are Supreme Court appointees and God bless the decision and gorgeous. Maid,
1: I know. Right.
0: Very good. No one in their right mind should be voting for this man.
1: That's what I get. I can't talk to people. Like, you're my relative. Like, how?
0: Why? Why? I'm I, sorry.
1: I, and fucking Kavanaugh. How dare you? You're 50-whatever years old, and you don't vote for LGBTQ plus, like, rights. And, and
0: That should have been what we're talking about, the Supreme Court decision last week. uh. Uh, it should have been a unanimous decision. Right. How do you how do you possibly define legality of sex discrimination without defining sex? Period. Right. Period.
1: I fucking
0: hate him. Yeah. Um, Listen, let me tell you something. We gotta dance in the streets after this next election. We got this has to uh, happen. Do we you think to I dance?
1: Mean, there's
0: in no the way he's gonna win. Is he gonna uh, win? I I I feel that the so. I'm not confident in Biden. Biden appears shaky. I feel that, the, but the soul of the country. Right. Rise up. That's what I think.
1: Yeah. All right. Before we talk about the book. Okay. You said something. That's that I, unusual. <laughs> uh, that I fucking love so much. Change is inevitable, growth from the change
0: is optional. Correct. And that's it. I mean, no. And the, I, what
1: a way to look at life. It's so fucking great. It's That's such a great way to look at things. Because I mean, we can't
0: control things, well, you know? You know, Judy, it's not easy to see your favorite pub on the corner close. It's not uh, easy to see the bookstore close. It's painful. And it doesn't mean that, it, that it's right. And it doesn't mean that your wish it hadn't happened. Right. But, and, and, and the actual quote doesn't really apply to that. But in your personal life, there will be changes. And someone will die. Someone will desert you. This will happen. That will happen. Change is inevitable in life. And growth from that change is optional. The other thing that I I have a place that I go to, I've been there seven times in my life, Tivoli Garden in, in Copenhagen, And sometimes like 10 years will go by and I have a bench that I sit on and I think about the time that has passed since the last time I was there and how I feel now. And the last time I was there, it may be, in fact, it might be the last time I was there. This thought came to mind. There is an end to everything. You must face it and face it well. Right. You know. I think God, I was so emotionally about
1: emotionally healthy. I can't take
0: it. Oh well get, get Jane over here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I say to her, Jane, I'm a simple soul. She, yeah. Oh no, you're not. You
1: know, I have to um I have to call say me.
0: that. No, Did he call me? There. Yeah, there she is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I heard my yeah. name. Yeah. She's, um, Jewish.
0: Yes. She's Jewish. Then, Jane.
1: And my mother is exact same as you name. And I meaning, learned from her. Meaning, he's Jewish. He's Jewish. Jewish yeah. and he's half Jewish. half Jewish. quarter Jew, married a Jew, converted. Yeah, David Berkowitz. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the whole thing thrilled that he wasn't adopted. I know. <laughs>
0: Look, David well, Berkowitz, thanks.
1: Okay. Well, yes, first, Judy. I have to say, Comedy Tonight, which you created, you you personally interviewed over 2,000 comics.
0: Audition. We auditioned what about eight, about eighteen hundred, probably. What did eight, I say? Eight. said two thousand? A lot of. We auditioned yeah. a yeah. lot of. You Richard, heard. Richard Baker. Richard Baker and I. I never take full credit. We were great partners. Boggs Baker Productions, and we and and our people, uh, uh, Mr. Messina, uh, Rick Messina, a couple other people auditioned like fifteen hundred acts.
1: And so, you know, it was brilliant, and it's. Here's everyone, you know, stand up was just beginning, just beginning to be this huge uh-huh. thing. And you're like, a strip show with three co- that's so, first of all, it's inexpensive and it's great entertainment.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's no, I'm sorry, go ahead. Vetted,
1: no, but you vetted the, com- like, no one vetted the comics then. It, it, you know, it, the way it was so amazing. And you gave this platform. Be, you know, you, you have done comedy, you have represented comedians, and here you are making this, like, amazing platform for comics. It, it was...
0: Yeah, well, you know, I started my career with that comedy team we talked about. And the simple idea came from Richard Baker and I had a production company. We've done a lot of shows. We've done six or seven shows for MTV. We did Bobby Short at the Cafe Carlisle. We wanted to make a big score. So we were doing research and we found out that syndicators were looking for late night inexpensive program. you would nailed right. it, inexpensive. So we're trying to think of ideas. And one day in the New York Times, I read about this feature article, if I hadn't picked up the paper that day, the value of reading, very important, the explosion of comedy clubs across the country, that there were comedy clubs and strip malls in Milwaukee. Oh, yeah, I said, I thought, if there are that many comedy clubs, there should be enough comedians to support. Right a show. So comedy tonight, we have 450 comedians. We booked on that show. That's unbelievable. 121 markets. Yep.
1: I have resentment towards social media because it gives everyone a platform. People who don't deserve a platform. It cancels people. You have basically said that, you know, cable was the slow death of the long interview yeah, that's true.
0: That's true. Um, MTV. It actually goes back to uh, it's a short attention span generation. MTV, right. MTV ushered in uh, just quick bites. You know, two minute interviews, three minute interviews. Well,
1: now we're at two hundred forty characters. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous.
0: I know. Yeah. I don't do too much of that.
1: Yeah. Your book. Thank you. Uh, I, it's amazing and everyone needs to read it. Well, you have to read my book. Well, you can read Bill's book first because mine doesn't come out till
0: July 28th. And I, let me just say, your book is, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. Right. And my book is The Adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog, as told to Bill Boggs. It's a social satire, a media satire, politically incorrect warning on the cover which I did because I, with this book, I'm standing up for saying, let's laugh at each other again and let's not yes! be so goddamn sensitive. And I am, been, it's a tough time to sell books, Judy. The book has great, gotten great, thanks. Great, it is tough. I'm telling oh you right God, now. I know, I know. The book has gotten excellent reviews, and you got to really beat the bushes to sell your books. I'm hoping. That you will tweet out a good word about the book. Oh, will I read. will. Oh yeah. my God. But really, it follows the arc of my career and it's narrated by a dog in a way. It's like I was a ventriloquist writing this dog. The voice of the dog came through me, meaning that I was writing in a comedic voice that I had never delivered, never bid on on. Radio never did on television, never did on stage. It was a new voice, and that's as a fiction writer something that happens when you're writing.
1: But I, I feel like when you know when you animate something or you delegate something to a character, you are you you have more freedom as in oh. You know,
0: you know, Gillette said, "If I got on a stage." and started telling people what I really think about them and life and stuff like right. that, people will be so pissed off they leave. However, if I have a ventriloquist dummy with me right. and the dummy is being me, right. in a way, that's what happened with Spike, who narrates the story. Winston Groom, the author of um, Forrest Gump, made into that big movie and everything, has said that... Spike the Dog is fiction's funniest canine. There were a lot right. of dog stories out there. Right, this right. This is the first one with a really funny dog, you know. Right. And it's it's in the genre. Genre. Family Guy. Right. It's, it's the Family Guy. It's, is so, really I,
1: it's so if you have a if if you have a decent sense of humor uh, and you're smart and you're you know socially uh, aware, it's the fuck. It's a great book. It's thank great.
0: You, thank you. It's available. Post Hill Press, The Avengers of Spike the Wonder Dog, available. Amazon, anywhere books are sold, it's available. And uh, I encourage people to get it and let me know what they think. They can get to me through their website. And I've had no pushback on, on the uh, some of the boundaries that I, I may have overstepped. It's, it's fucking me. ridiculous. That's it, good. I, I've had it's no pushback. Great. It's,
1: it's so great because it's like, come on, everybody. You know, you're, you've been trying to shut people up for so long. And look what it's done. Look what's happening. Look what's happening in this country. You can't shut people up.
0: No, and I hope when first, obviously, I really do feel that social change is in progress. I do. I do, too. Right? And with the pandemic, I hope that when we get through the pandemic and we've really dealt with something that has really been horrible, that we cannot maybe take ourselves so seriously.
1: I can't take it. What the fuck? I know. You know, you were talking about, you know, all these shows that, that your friends had written on. Those shows would never get on network TV today. Ever. Yes. All in the family. The, the episode of Ma- where Maude has an abortion. I mean, it, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's true. I agree. Um, I, I, I don't remember who. Creskin, oh, I was on his show. He said that some comedians have to submit a script in order to appear on a college campus, that's a new one. I told you that. I think. No. Well, Kreskin said the same thing. You, you, you. We and I were talking about comedians who are not working on college campuses. Maybe yeah, but
1: yes, some now they they either tell them what they can and cannot they cannot say or yeah. if they, they ask a script. Fuck you. Who the fuck are you to tell me what I can not and who what what makes you the arbiter of of what's correct? Fuck you. I, I cannot. This is it's driving me crazy
0: anyway. Yeah, it's, I'm, I am standing up for that with my book. I really am. Yeah. I'm standing up for it. Period. It is.
1: It's, and it's, yeah, it's great. Now, before we hang up, <laughs> okay. um, I always ask my, my, my guests two questions. Okay. Okay. Cause we are pro mental health. So, uh, and I I suffer from anxiety and depression. You know, I'm typical comedian bullshit. But <laughs> you know, I've had I've had a bad depression. I mean, I'm on meds, and so we try to promote mental health because we want to break the stigma. What do you do to keep yourself mentally? Healthy? I mean, you. By the way, you're like a philosopher. So, oh, no, I'm really not. Um, well, I said I, you I, are. Okay. I
0: think. Have you ever taken antidepressants? Uh, I take. I always have with me uh, a lorazepam. No, otom- me too. Me too. I always have it with me, right. Because if I have high anxiety about, right, right. which happened to me yesterday, huh? I, I well, can, in anticipation of this, I, of course. Yeah, I, I can control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm very <laughs> nervous here. Very nervous. More pills. More pills. <laughs> I, can, I can control the anxiety. However. What I do for the most part is, is I try to get a decent amount of exercise, Judy. Same. I, I swim uh, four or five days a week. And, you know, when you're swimming, it's like 40 minutes, your mind is going to places. And I I don't find myself thinking unhealthy thoughts. A, B, I am blessed to have a really wonderful relationship, a really peaceful relationship. I live with Jane Rothschild. Uh, I've known as Lady Jane uh, to a lot of people on the internet, and she is a very cool, calm, healthy person. So I think an aspect of mental health are the people around you. Right. You, it, it's all all is within. Like Ram Dass said, all is within. Right. So, but my answer would basically be, I can calm myself down through breathing. Yep. I suffer the same thing. I I still have insecurities. I still have uh, I get get pissed off. I feel like I'm getting left out. I get pissed off. Why didn't the publishing do this? Why didn't they do that?
1: I do the same thing because I feel like it's your fucking job. Like how can you, how can you, yeah.
0: Yeah. That doesn't make me happy, but I think if I had to answer it, I breathing is crucial. Yes. Breathe, but you got to really, if you're really getting upset, lie down and breathe. Right. And focus on your
1: breath,
0: yeah. Yeah, follow the breath in slowly, out and out slowly. And that, that's like an, almost a no-brainer, but it's true. It's right. True.
1: How and long have you been with Jane? Jane
0: and I have been together 10 years. And that was number four, right? She's number four? Well, we're not married. It, w- it would be, but we're not right. married where we we live we're like just a couple of hippies here in Palm Beach, living out of a little apartment we, That's so
1: funny because um you know Lisa and I are not married, and everyone when are you getting married when are you getting married? when are you getting married and you know i
0: don't know when you- I, I will say yeah, I've had bad marriages and and when I met Janet I said I don't want to get married again, but I am. I feel that I'm in a right. marriage. I would get married. If there was right. a reason to do it, I, you know, I, I'm not that gun shy. I was 10 years ago. Right. But peace and contentment. Let, let me say that you think I'm a philosopher. In if, if my last marriage... There was a lot of uh, disruption and a a lot of tension. And I would lie in bed thinking, I know I'm going to get out of this. It's not necessarily going to be easy. It's going to be painful. But when I'm out, peace and contentment, which I did not have, will be my goal. And I think if you make peace and contentment your goal and find yourself in a situation where several days in a row, something is, is distracting you from that goal, you have to change it. Peace and contentment is a goal to seek in order to help foster good mental health.
1: Nice. I love that. Okay. Here's the final question. Cause it's, you know, my podcast is called kill me now because I literally wake up and I'm like, Oh my God, kill me now. Cause I can't, I hate incompetence. I hate, I hate dumb people. I hate people who are not curious. What pisses you off? No. the most. I need mean, the one thing that makes you fucking
0: crazy. Well, I have so <laughs> many things on my list. That I made a list. I got a list. Of four. Have me back. I'll run down a list. All right. um, I could say something like man's inhumanity to man, but I want to do something on a more visceral level, right. and that is honking of horns fucking drives me nuts. <laughs> Fifteen cars, there's a red light. Oh, and yeah. That, the and the light then, yeah. Uh huh. Like a, a mild-mannered person gets into their car and they turn into an animal behind right. the wheel. I wear hearing aids, so sometimes the honking—I literally, I like, to right. jump out of my skin. But I mean, that is one of many things. Men kissing me—I don't like that. <laughs> I call the things on my list. Men kissing me. Wait, so, on the lips or... Key, or chi- I call these guys... It's never going to happen again because of the pandemic. The kissing friars. These guys that... Hi, Bill. How are you doing? These lips coming to... Oh, yeah. Me. But you, you don't like... You, boom, but, boom, 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 But boom, you don't mind boom.
1: if a woman kisses you?
0: Well... It depends who the woman is. First you know? of
1: all, you're such a hetero. Okay. I yeah. am. I am. I know. I, do but actually, I don't like it either. See? T- now t- you t- see you know what we feel like.
0: Let me tell you what I don't like. I don't like it when there's a woman, maybe she's 5'7", and I'm six feet tall. Right. And she wants to kiss me. It's like, pulls me down. Right. <laughs> I think, honestly, the truth is, with the pandemic, I'm an affectionate person. If I never shake hands with another person in my life, I'll be happy. Yeah. Oh, here's one. Here's something that pisses me off, right? Men with hair growing out of their nose. Oh, it's ears. Wait, wait. With their wife standing next to them, oh. talking to them, or you're at dinner with them. Right. And you're looking at these hairs coming out of the ground. I guy's know. Head, and you're thinking, what the fuck? Tell him.
1: Right. No. I don't understand that either. I don't get that either. And I mean, shit I mean, in your mustache and shit, you know, like, ugh.
0: And I, che- cheap people.
1: Oh, cheap people. don't even. I can't, that's it.
0: Cheap people. You know, you had the salmon. I fucking hate
1: that. No. I fucking, I had the soup and I'm not paying for <laughs> her alcohol. I fucking <laughs> hate that shit.
0: <laughs> oh, what else Let's see. Oh God, that's really funny. I'm, I hate oh, when people, oh, what, what? people, go, go. In LA, in, it was mostly in LA. You go out to dinner with people, and you're in restaurants. Men, really well-dressed women. That doesn't annoy me. I like that. And men in Hawaiian shirts. (laughs) Hawaiian shirts. You're in, like, the polo lounge. Right, right. Dressed, like, in a beautiful cocktail. The guy looks like he should be on the beach.
1: Right, right. And they think that's dressed up. They think that's, like, that's their... You know what's sad? That's their good Hawaiian shirt.
0: That's their, like... <laughs> That's terrific. Oh my. And then I must I must say this. This is something about women here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Shrieking and oh my god. it shrieking now. Can I read you something? Yes. All right. I'm, I had this out because I thought this is from the book. Okay. Right? They're on the street. This is Spike saying, uh, uh we're having a lovely stroll, and I know there's two Park Avenue women doing something I see all twos frequently. I call these the oh my god women right? A lady walking by is surprised. As she sees another lady, she thinks she knows. Eileen? Eileen? Oh, my God, she calls out. out. Is that you? Sharon? Oh, my God, Sharon. Eileen yells back at her. They walk toward each other. Then it happens. They go through this odd greeting ritual. You think it's weird that sometimes dogs smell each other's ass when they meet? What about this? First, Eileen and Sharon wave and yell more, oh, my God, oh, my God, as they approach each other. Once close, they momentarily stop shrieking, oh, my God, rear back with their mouths wide open, their hands fly up by their heads, making them look like they're frozen people of Pompeii. Then over and over, it's, oh, my God, Eileen, oh, my God, Sharon, how are you? How are you? This is followed by, we have to get together. Oh, my God, yes, we have to get together. They're already together standing there. This is where I get confused. Yes, we'll get together. I'll call you, Eileen. Yes, call. We'll make plans. Oh my God, this was great, Tara says. <laughs> How come they didn't make plans when they were together? They walk off in different directions, each looking kind of happy. They hadn't wasted any more time. Oh my God, at the other. <laughs> I love that. That's I from the advantage that. of Spike the Wonder Dog. Yep. Yes. That's Spike's voice.
1: So you're fucking great. I love you. Thank you for doing this. Uh, oh, thank you. Oh, such a pleasure. Did
0: you just get on Twitter? No, I've been on for a while. Just okay. tweet out a word on the book. I'd appreciate that. I'll, and well, I'll, you,
1: know I'll, I'll, you know I'm
0: gonna. We have great rapport, honey. I don't know why. I, don't, but it's, it's I turn, know. It works. I know. Right. I love it. I'm a follower. I'm a follower of you. I'm, I, oh, you and Bill Maher. I don't follow a lot of people, but I'm, Thank I'm I believe in you. I believe Thank in you. you. Thank oh, you Bill,
1: Bill, you have to think positive thoughts because my day hasn't come yet and I need it to come soon because I can't with this fucking no working. Good luck. Thank you. Luck. Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with the wonderful Bill Boggs. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe and please leave a review. It helps more people find this amazing podcast and it is amazing. So that means you have to give me five stars only. That's the only review you can give me. Okay, thank you. Also, if you haven't had the chance to pre-order my new book, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. It's available for pre-order now and it will be released on July 28th along with the audiobook. Rosie O'Donnell says Judy Gold warns us all what happens when they come for the comedians. She shows how urgent and critical it is that we as comics speak truth to power before it's too late. Yes, I can say that is funny and insightful. Pure Judy. Okay, so that means you have to go get it. That's it. It would mean so much to me if you just check it out. All pre-order links are on the homepage of JudyGold.com or wherever books are sold. As you know, it is still Pride Month. So... Make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all upcoming virtual Pride events. Happy Pride, everyone. All of my dates are at Judy Gold at J-E-W-G-O-L-D, you know, like Jew Gold. Uh, That's how I am on Twitter. So uh, check me out. Just remember, Black Lives Matter and Trump sucks. And as we always say, so
0: long.